We are here to spread the radical notion that you're perfectly imperfect, just the way you are. Welcome to the Way You Are Project podcast. I'm your host, Erica Ormanovich. Join me as we have conversations about feminism, fat acceptance, body image, and parenting, with a goal to help you cultivate and live a more authentic life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Way You Are Project. Today, I spoke with Dana Sukow of Do the Hot Pants. Dana Hot Pants Sukow is a speaker, activist, and event producer. Since overcoming bulimia and compulsive exercise that resulted in permanent injuries, she has become a champion for women's rights, eating disorder issues, and body positivity. I had an amazing conversation with Dana. Seriously, I'm so excited to share it with you guys. We talked about her recovery and transformation from a fashion blogger into a body positive and feminist activist. We touch on all things feminism, even things that have been weighing on my mind personally as of late, such as body hair and makeup. She also discusses the best way for those of us with privilege to be allies to those who are more marginalized. Just a reminder to please go subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as leave a rating review on iTunes. This really helps with visibility, y'all, so please help me out. As always, all resources mentioned in this episode will be on the show notes at thewayyouareproject.com under the podcast tab. Okay, so let's hear from Dana. Hi, Dana. How are you today? I am fine. Thank you, Erica. How are you? I'm I'm so good. Thanks so much for taking some time out to talk to us today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to um, preface this with I am getting over bronchitis. So if I sound disgusting, I apologize in advance. I am try- I have tea here and I'm trying my best to not um, be a gross blob. <laughs> no worries. I'm feeling so. that too. I think I have some like sinus something going on. I don't know. Ugh. Ugh. It's the worst. And being sick in summer is the worst. Yeah. Okay. So if you would like to start with uh, introducing yourself and um, a little bit about your backstory, how you got here, what your journey looks like, and a little bit about um, what your work is today now. Yeah. Okay. So um, so my name is Dana and I run the blog Do the Hot Pants. Uh, I'm more present on social media now. Um, just, I feel like that's kind of been the direction of blogging in the last couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started do the hot pants five years ago. Uh, I wanted to be a fashion blogger and I was dating a fashion photographer at the time. And so it, it felt like a natural thing to do. It was like something we could do together. You know, it was like bonding time with him. Um, and also, and I loved clothes. I, you know, I wanted to like showcase my personality. Um, so I started do the hot pants. Um, but what was happening behind the scenes was that I was struggling with bulimia and I wasn't, um, throwing up. I was actually, the way I was purging was through exercise, but I had terrible body image. Um, I was struggling. I was struggling with skin issues, um, weight issues, eating issues. And doing the fashion blog and being a fashion blogger exacerbated that. Um, so I would say that I was doing for when I was on do the hot pants, I, when I started, I was doing fashion blogging for maybe about two years of the five, maybe only a year and a half. And it started getting so, so bad that it was, it was really, I felt like I was living these like two lives. Like I had this like personal facade that I was putting online and this person who was literally like falling apart, you know, like, like coming apart at the seams, uh, was my personal life. <clears throat> and so I finally kind of, you know, I was doing therapy and I was doing a lot of like self-help and reading and brain books and everything. And I, I finally started realizing that I couldn't 
keep the two apart anymore. Um, that it was becoming too difficult to be that perfect person that I was showcasing online. And I started slowly discussing body image issues and my eating disorder and, uh, kind of, you know, like, like very topical, like feminist issues. And I started getting like a really great response from people on the blog and on social media where they were like, wow, like, it's really nice to know that you're actually human. Um, because I had this giant fear that I would be walking around one day and somebody would come up to me and they would say, oh my God, you look absolutely nothing like your photos. You have acne, you are like, look at your stomach. Like you are just, you are not the same person. And I, I was literally walking around with that fear like 24 seven that I was gonna be found out. I felt like I was, you know, doing something illegal. Um, <laughs> so I started, I, yeah, so I started, I started kind of coming clean to my readers and finally, one day, I, I did this blog post where I said, um, I released photos that I wish I hadn't Photoshopped. Uh, and it's literally called that. It's like photos I wish I didn't Photoshop. And it's funny because I look back on the photos now and I'm like, I don't, I don't see much of a difference. Um, you know, yeah, my under, my, my under eye bags are blurred. You know, my acne is gone. My stomach, maybe I, I shaved, you know, 10 pounds off or something with, with Photoshop. But back then... It was literally life or death. Like looking, I had such body dysmorphia that the before pictures were, there was no way that I could let those see the light of day. And so it took me years to kind of come to the place to be able to even share those. So when I did that blog post, it went completely viral. Um, it was picked up by the Daily Mail, People, uh, Us Weekly, um, what else? Vogue, Huffington Post. I mean, it was everywhere. And, you know, it's, it's funny, like looking back, I'm like, that shouldn't have gone viral. I was, I was exposing such minute details, you know, such, such little things, but it also just goes to show you how there's zero representation of acne. There's zero representation of eating disorders. There's zero representation of people in the media actually coming clean about their body and saying, no, this is, this isn't real. This is Photoshop. This is a fake person. I don't look like this. And so that's why it was picked up. So after that, that was about two years ago, two and a half years ago, I realized that my calling was to be discussing uh, how my personal issues could help others because the feedback and response I got from that was so overwhelmingly positive. Um, I even got like grandma's message or emailing me saying, I photoshopped, I, got, I had this one grandma, she goes, I photoshopped my family photos and you have inspired me not to do it because every time I look at these family photos, I think that these grandkids aren't going to recognize their grandma when I pass away. They're going to be like, who's that? And I was just <laughs> like, wow, I really it was, it was so wow. strange that this message connected with so many people of different ages, different races, different body sizes, everything. Uh, and so I, I realized my calling after that and I completely changed my message and I started being really vulnerable and really open to people. Um, and as I was kind of learning about feminism and body activism and body positivity and all of these things, I started sharing my knowledge and I started realizing that I have the privilege to go to therapy. I have the privilege mm -hmm. to do this. I have the privilege to take classes, night classes if I want to. And so it's like, why don't I share all this information that I'm putting together? So I guess fast forward, that's kind of my story. Um, you know, I had a lot of a lot of body image issues when I was younger, but like, if I was really to sum it up in the last five years, that's kind of how do the hot pants started. 
Um, and then where I am today is it's just kind of morphed into this self-love, body positivity, eating disorder discussion, you know, platform. And then I also, I do use my platform to uplift others and to talk about issues that I, look, I'm, I'm a straight, white, cis, heterosexual, you know, all of these things, woman, I fit society's beauty standards, I'm thin, like, I have a shit ton of privilege. And so I also use my platform for others to speak on to share their stories that I may not have have any I may not be able to relate to at all. But in the grand scheme of women, it's it's that it's like that quote, like, if one of us are struggling, all of us, all of us are still behind or something. Mm -hmm. So so that's, I'm sorry, I feel like I've been talking forever, but that's, that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. And then I started doing events recently in the last year. So I do women's empowerment events. I do makeup removal parties. Um, I also, I've, I've formed a uh, intersectional women's collective and we do allyship events. We, we did a, a, an event on how to be an ally to Muslim women. We have another event coming up that's how to be an ally to trans women. Um, we did a uh, women's street harassment, uh, workshop in the park a couple weeks ago. So I'm, I'm very busy. I have a lot of stuff going on, but it's all really exciting. Really. Um, imp- I, I think it's, it's, I think it's stuff that needs to happen. I think it's conversations that need to happen, but it, you know, it also feels like it's, it's slow moving. Like I feel like my community is big, but that's only because that's the people I've surrounded myself with. I, I realize that this mm-hmm. message is, you know, there's so much work to be done in this world. Yeah, I can super relate to that because I feel like I'm I've said this before, but I feel like I'm in a bubble, but because I'm like constantly yes. surrounded by like podcasts and other people's work that are very similar to mine. And then I just like walk out into like the grocery store and there's like a, you know, super duper thin woman on the cover of Shape magazine. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No. And, and you know, the, the bubble, so it's interesting talking about the bubble, like the bubble thing is super real. Um, and I think especially with the election and especially with what's happening now, um, I think people are just like, I, I, I'm stressed out when I'm talking with people who aren't like-minded or, you know, who aren't at least on the fence with what I'm talking about, because I'm like, it just feels like war. Yeah. It feels like war. It's so much emotional labor. But if there's anything I've learned from be, from doing these ally events and from talking to more marginalized women and realizing that, you know, part of being an ally is having these difficult conversations. And, you know, one of the women at the the last allyship event I did, she was like, don't, she, you know, the question was, how can non-Muslim women be allies to Muslim women? And she was like, don't delete your racist uncle on Facebook. Don't be scared to have the conversations at Thanksgiving. She was like, you need to have the conversations that aren't safe for other, for these women to be having, or that these women are exhausted of having. And that's how we have to use our privilege. And so I'm realizing that as safe as I feel in this bubble, that I actually have to get out of it, that I actually, to do the work of being a true ally is that we actually have to break out of this bubble and have the difficult conversations with the people we don't want to, but it's still safe for us to do it in ways that it's not safe for other marginalized women too. Yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, like, like you said, it's hard to like be in those conversations and it's honestly, it's hard to admit this, but like there have been so many times where like specifically for me, like more um, like fat acceptance and like size mm-hmm. acceptance um, conversations have come up and people are just like, oh, well, like, 
you know, that doesn't make sense. They're unhealthy or, you know, whatever. And it's like, it's the platform for me to open up and be like, well, actually that's all based on false science. And let me really tell you, you know, and then so many times I have backed down because I'm like, I don't want to be perceived as like that girl or like, I don't, you you just don't want people to be like, well, here's the fighter. Here's the feminazi. Yes, exactly. Or like, it's just going to fall on deaf ears anyway. So why am I fighting this battle? But I mean, It's true that, like, you know, a woman of size who has struggled definitely way more than I have with just regular oppression and also if they had an eating disorder, recovering from their eating disorder is way more difficult than than having recovered from mine. Most most of the times they're not even taken seriously. Exactly. They're not even medical medical advice, medical care. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, and and so that's where – and I think that's where a lot of anger, I think, comes from too with, you know – larger women to smaller women is like, like you need to do the allyship work. Like you can't also shut off having those conversations with people as frustrated as you are, because it's like, imagine how frustrated I am, Mm -hmm. you know, like as, as a plus size woman, as a fat woman, like I, I, it's not even safe for me to go into those spaces. Um, but I, but I get it. Like, it's also, it's exhausting and it still is, you know, we have to validate our feelings is that it still is emotional labor. It still is work. We, we're still discussing, you know, it is triggering for me to talk about fat activism sometimes to people because I'm someone with an eating disorder. And so when somebody says, you know, well, I don't believe that fat women, I don't believe it's healthy. I'm like, oh my God, this is literally the message messaging that I've been dealing with for all of my life that went to trigger my eating disorder. So even though I'm thin, I'm still, that's messaging is also still triggering to me in ways that I just, I interpreted it differently and it came out of my body differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it still is toxic messaging to women. It is toxic messaging. It is control of women's bodies and it, they are exhausting conversations to have. I, I completely side with you on that. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, someone's <clears throat> got to do it and they don't have the, they don't have as much privilege or some people don't have as much privilege as others um, or platforms or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. To... I mean, pla- platforms is, is also true. Um, and I think it's also, it's just exhausting. Like imagine having to have conversations why you should just exist yeah. over and God, over and seriously. over again. Um, you know, I, my privilege as a thin woman and my privilege as a white woman is that Yes, I, I'm. I am. Fight, I'm. My own personal fight is literally fighting for women being able to exist. But I do have the privilege in being able to go in and have the conversations that other women are like. I am so exhausted, and it is so devalidating to my existence of having to fight for my existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, another thing about it being emotionally exhausting is, to me, the most frustrating part. One of the most frustrating parts is like inside my head, I'm like, why the fuck do you just not get this? Like, why is this so radical to you? Why is it so weird to accept every human being, regardless of their color, their size, their ethnicity, their orientation, their identity? Why is that so fucking hard? It's like, it like knocks me down like five notches when I'm confronted with people that literally think that these other people aren't worthy of existing, even if they don't explicitly say it like that. Right. The things that they're doing and the policies they're putting in place or the, the things they're saying even, the, the looks they make are doing all of those things, oppressing all of these people. And I'm just like, why don't you fucking get it? Why is it right. that hard? Of course. I mean, 100%. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it really, it's, it is, it's so frustrating because sometimes I just want to shake people. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest that there, there are people that I'm not going to get through to, Yeah, you know, there, there are, I, I always talk about picking your battles because at the end of the day, we do have to kind of preserve our, our energy. We, we can't, you know, we, you can't pour from an, an empty cup. Um, and so we do have to kind of find the people who are willing to have the discussions, who are open to having the discussions. Otherwise, you literally are, you butt heads. Like there, there's no, if someone doesn't at least give you some way, some opening, it, those conversations are feel nearly impossible. Right. Um, but yeah, but I mean, really it's like, <laughs> it's like when I first started talking about feminism and I would get, you know, these trolls saying women are, are women already have all the rights. Women have more rights than men. What the hell are you even asking for? And it's like, I just, I want to bang my head on the table. Like I don't even know what to respond with at that point. Yeah. But you just have to get statistics. You have to get facts. You have to get, you have to really get educated on it. Um, so that when people start firing stuff off, like you have facts to fire off. It's not that you're not just going from an emotional argument. You're going from like a factual argument. Um, and that can kind of help you, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's ever any winner in an argument, but it can help you uh, not get pummeled. Yeah. And it helps to know, like, I mean, at least for me, being like, like having the knowledge, but also being so emotionally invested in this and knowing that this is like what lines up with my values. At the end of the yeah. day, if they don't agree with me and I tried, I can still have my integrity and know that like, this is something that I believe in and they're not going to change what I believe in because I know that it is true and it's my truth. Right. Right. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, there's things that I'm fighting for that certain people don't believe in and I have to keep going. Cause I know that I know the people I'm helping right. and that's what keeps me going. Um, and look, and, and not every message is going to be for everybody. My, my body and my message is not for everybody. And I get it. And those aren't your people. And you just keep moving forward and you kind of have to put like not blinders on because you still want to be aware of what's happening around you, but like you really have to pay attention to your end goal and like not get distracted. Um, you know, like the, like the saying like dope, dope shit brings hate quick. Um, and it's true. I mean, people will constantly try to tear you down if you're making change, no matter what kind of waves you're making, it's, it's going to ripple out to someone who finds it offensive. That's very true. So I'm interested, how did you make the transition from like being in your eating disorder and over-exercise to accepting your body and like body positivity? I'm very, I'm very lucky that I have, that I found a really awesome therapist. And, uh, when I went in for my eating disorder, we first started talking about like, you know, emotional eating and, and why I have an eating disorder and, uh, childhood trauma and, and kind of just getting over like the basics of, you know, what you would first do when you go into therapy But as time went on, um, we started kind of unwrapping why I had my eating disorder in the first place and what it was in society that was causing my eating disorder and the messages, the subliminal messages that I had received throughout my life about how fat is bad and health and how acne is bad and how women's bodies need to be controlled. And it was like, once I was kind of out of that, like, you know, really, uh, hectic eating disorder brain, once that was, I kind of like cleared some of the fog, I was able to look at it as sort of like a bigger picture. Um, and I started seeing that like, 
yes, I can love myself. And yes, I can sort of, you know, fight every day to kind of deal with my eating disorder. But if I didn't look at it as a systemic issue, and if I didn't look at it really from like a top level down thing where I see how the magazine covers are triggering. I see how going on my social media and seeing thin bodies all the time is triggering. If I wasn't aware of that, there was literally only a certain kind of point I could reach in my, in my recovery. Um, I needed to go further. Otherwise I would continue to get triggered and it would continue to be such an uphill battle every single day. Um, and that's why I'm always talking about how like you can, you can do eating disorder recovery, but if you don't talk about feminism and if you don't talk about women's marginalization on top of that, you're never fully going to recover. And that's kind of how I went from my transition of, you know, having bulimia into body positivity. It was, it was slow. And, you know, I'm the first person to say like, yeah, in the beginning I have made a lot of like quote unquote white feminist mistakes or, or thin privilege mistakes where, you know, I would post something on social media and it would literally be me like, you know, hugging my, my little tiny fat on my, on my stomach going, Oh, I hate my body. And I feel bad, but I had to do those things to get to the knowledge and to get to the space that I'm at now. Um, you know, now I totally understand thin privilege and I totally understand white privilege and cis privilege. And I, I get these things. Um, but I had to learn somewhere. And so the transition from eating disorder to body positivity, it wasn't overnight. It, it was a lot of education. It was a lot of mistakes. It was a lot of learning. It was a lot of listening. Um, and it was a lot of getting out of my own disc, you know, getting into discomfort and getting out of my own head and my own space and going, wow, there's way more issues that affect way more women than I even had any idea about. And it really helps put things not only into perspective, but it makes you realize that you are not alone. And it's literally happening to almost every woman, almost every person. Um, and I think part of healing also is knowing that we're not alone because society and market, you know, let's like marketing, for example, marketing works by making you think you are the only person who doesn't have this item, that if you have this item or if you change your body or you get this thing, you'll be normal. You won't be weird. You won't be quote unquote other and it really, it's like fighting all of that. It's really all about kind of creating a community and feeling less alone. And that's why I think body positivity and the eating disorder community and the fat activism community and all of these communities on social media have grown so much because people are like, oh my God, finally a safe space where I don't feel alone. And so that, that's what I do. And that, that's kind of like my, my theme of, of what do the hot pants does is it's all about saying, you're not alone. Whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you have, I promise someone else has it. And let's fight together. Yeah. And the, I honestly, I relate to that a lot. Um, how you said that it, it felt like you would be stuck. You, like you finally realized you would be stuck in this cycle of just being like kind of in your perpetual smaller eating disorder recovery space. Because I yeah. felt like that for a long time, like, and I don't, I don't frequent like eating disorder recovery, like, I don't know, on um, social media, like hashtags and stuff like that mm -hmm. too much anymore because they're so confining, I feel. Like they're, it's, yeah. it, it was framed in kind of like, you, you will perpetually be in eating disorder recovery and we'll just all right. struggle together. And I was looking for like the next step 
out of it. And so for me, that's what body positivity and like size acceptance and all of that was. Absolutely. And that's, that's so funny because that's how I view myself. So I, I view myself as kind of that stepping stone. Um, look, I'm, I am, I'm not a fat woman. I am not a woman of color. I, I, I cannot, I, I cannot be that account of that next level, but I feel like what I am is I'm where people come where they're like, okay, I've done kind of the eating disorder work and now I need to look at the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, cool. Come over here. Let's talk. Let's learn. And then let me like send you off to, you know, I feel like I'm like the intro to BOPO, the intro to feminism, the intro (laughs) to, to fat acceptance. And, you know, and, and also like, I, I know who my followers are. I know they mostly look like me and, and they need to be woken up. They need to be made aware of bigger pictures that are happening and bigger systemic issues. And it, like I said, that stuff doesn't come overnight. Like you have to do the work. You have to do your personal work. Then you have to learn about eating disorders. Then you learn about feminism. Then you learn about body positivity. Like it's not, it's not going to happen overnight. And so we need these kind of intro accounts. Like I feel like mine is in ways that we can start transitioning people into learning about broader pictures. Yeah, I totally agree. And honestly, I think that focusing on the bigger picture kind of, it takes off a lot of personal strain because it, like Mm -hmm. you said, it makes it less alienating to be validated Mm -hmm. in the fact that you're not alone and also realize Mm -hmm. like, holy shit, this isn't my fault. Like there isn't something wrong with me. There's something wrong with the system. See, and that's, and that's, so important. And I think that's what's kind of lacking in a lot of the eating disorder community is that, look, I mean, it's very needed. I needed that community so badly when I first started, but it's, it's very kind of confining where it's like, we're not talking about bigger picture. We're talking about it solely as a mental illness. And I'm like, but the statistics don't show that the statistics show a rise in eating disorders when you have Western media present Mm -hmm. and I mean, it shows it over and over and over again. And that's not to say that eating disorders aren't, don't have a thing with mental illness. I think there's a lot of different factors that come into play, but if you ignore this one part, you're saying that it's, it's solely that there's something wrong with your brain. It's solely that it is personal choice or, you know, that you are emotionally eating, that you can't handle life. It's like, are you kidding me? It's because of diet culture. Yeah. It's because of control of women's bodies. It is because of X, Y, and Z. And yes, there's other factors, but if you ignore those, you're never going to fully heal. Yeah, I totally agree. There's so many, there's so many different reasons why eating disorders occur. And I mean, I like as research shows and focusing on just one, it's it the whole, it, the whole picture is going to fall apart. The whole right, recovery right, right, right. trajectory is going to fall apart for the individual. <clears throat> exactly. But but look, it's, it's, it's a total learning thing. And, and look, and my whole thing is too, like at the end of the day, we still live in this same world. Like I can say, yeah, grow your body hair out and don't wear makeup and, you know, screw the system and don't go to work and, and, you know, fight the patriarchy. But look, at the end of the day, we have to make friends. Yep. I, I want, you know, we want to get raises. We want to get equal pay. We want to get all of these things that require us to wear makeup, that require us to shave our bodies, that require us to fit inside the system. And, you know, I'm not faulting women for doing that. And that's, and that's, I think, where also my message can get, where people get confused on my message. And they're like, well, are you saying it's not okay to get plastic surgery? Are you not saying it's not okay to get this? I'm like, no, absolutely. These are 
these are what you need to do. If you, if you need to do this to feel safe, loved, secure, beautiful, do it. But it's just understanding why we do these things. Yeah. And it's all because of such a toxic culture against women and women's bodies. And we are, women's bodies are under attack. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the um, those issues because I was curious about your opinion. Um, I know you've talked on social media, like posted about how you've grown your leg hair out, and so I was interested on your standpoint and like how you how you came to the. I'm kind of in the middle of like figuring out where I where I want to express those certain things. Like, do <laughs> I do I enjoy shaving my armpits? Like, I don't know. Right. Do I? Like, so how did you come to all that? Like, where where are you at with that? You know, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. I, it, it came about pretty organically where I, I've been single for a year and this last winter, I just stopped shaving literally because I was single and because it's winter. And I started going, wow, I, I really like this time back of not shaving. Um, and I don't know. I just, one day I kind of was like, wow, I've, I'm hairy <laughs> and this is the hairiest I've ever been. And so I said, you know, let me roll with this. And so I started doing some research. I started doing a lot of like reading about body hair. And I started realizing that <clears throat> body hair and shaving are, are literally, are, you know, kind of indirectly related to women as women's um, skirts got shorter over the years. And mm -hmm. as women were able to reveal more clothing, shaving became more popular and, and shaving was kind of, pressured on women through, through marketing and advertising. And I, and then I started realizing, do you even, do you even see body hair on women? Is body hair even allowed on women? Um, shaving ads feature an already shaved leg. Um, yeah. and so I, I started, you know, I started like really doing this research and going, holy shit is shaving actually another way of women's of controlling women. And and, look, and I got a lot of pushback where people were like, no, I love shaving. I like shaving. It's empowering. I like the way my, my legs feel. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's totally fine. But I'm just curious when, when they started feeling that, because certainly we weren't, we didn't come out of the womb going, oh my God, my body here is disgusting. Yeah. Like, was this taught to us? Because honestly, when I was five years old, I had leg hair and I don't remember ever complaining about it rubbing against my sheets mm -hmm. or rubbing against my clothes. And and so it's just, it's, it's something that I'm thinking about. And, and my other thing too, is, you know, some of my messages, like, does everything we do have to be feminism? Literally does, does every single thing that women do, does wearing makeup, does it have to be for feminism? Or can we say, look, at the end of the day, we're fitting into society and this is the society that we live in and we're doing our best. And it doesn't have to be about empowerment, like shaving our legs. It doesn't have to be about empowerment. It doesn't have to be about feminism. Can we be like, yeah, you know what? It's kind of shitty that women have to do this, but you know what? This is what society says is beautiful. And so this is how I feel beautiful and I'm going to do it. Um, and that's been kind of the things that I'm questioning is, you know, I'm just, I'm literally just asking people to question and I do get pushback. And, you know, I think a lot of the pushback too is like, and this is the same thing about dieting is when you have spent your entire life believing something or, or doing something or, or living a certain way, when someone says, hey, this is a mirage or this is a facade, you're going to be like, no, screw you. I've spent thousands of dollars, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, so much money and so much time trying to lose weight or trying to get the perfect body. It's like, I don't want to listen to you tell me this is a lie because then what is my whole life been? What have I been doing my whole life? Like nobody wants to hear that. 
it's kind of like someone had someone had told me recently they were like it's kind of like in the matrix where he's like do you want the red pill or the blue pill like you know one one pill you go back to living but living a lie but everything is perfect and the other pill is like you learn you know secrets of society but but you're like a jaded troll for the rest of your life <laughs> yeah um I feel like I'm now the jaded troll where I look at everything and I'm like, oh, this is just another way of patrolling women's bodies. This is just another way that women are hypersexualized and controlled by society. Um, but, you know, sometimes do I wish I could put my head back in the sand? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I, I get the pushback and I get why I get why it's uncomfortable. Um I don't feel very comfortable going outside without makeup or showing my hairy legs. It's gotten more comfortable, but I have definitely had people say things to me. I I definitely notice that I'm treated differently in the office when I'm not wearing makeup. Um, And the statistics show that women aren't treated fairly, that women aren't treated equally. I mean, there's memes that say for women, you know, if she take her swimming on the first date, or if she wakes up, you know, looking like this and not like how she looks in her photos, she deserves to die. So are you telling me that we live in a society that is okay with women showing their leg hair or okay with women showing their makeup? Absolutely not. And my fight is I will continue to fight for these things because until women are actually treated equally with makeup and without makeup or with body hair and without body hair, then it is an oppressive control of women's bodies. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that a lot of the, what's frustrating for me is like the people that give the pushback of <clears throat> like, oh, women do have equal rights. Like you get to have a job and drive a car and vote for the president and all of these things. Right. It's like, yeah, but there's all of these exceptions. Like, oh, you can wear the shorter skirt only if you shave your legs. Right. Oh, you can wear a tank right. top now only if you right. shave your armpits. Like, no, that is right. not being treated equally. That's not. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, look, I mean, I I really, I also have to say this, like, I have a shit ton of privilege with my body. So much privilege. Like, I, again, I am thin. I fit society's beauty standards. I know that. Um, And so for me to say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not shave my legs and I'm gonna do a body hair thing. Like, fat women can't shave their fat off. Black women can't shave their blackness off. Like, Mm -hmm. I understand my privilege. I also understand that you know, for me to say, like, I'm going to stop shaving my legs and I, I'm, I'm going to do this fight. There are trans women who have to shave their legs because their lives depend on it. Their lives depend on being gendered correctly. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many trans women are murdered every year because of toxic masculinity and a toxic sexist culture that we live in? Um, so I, I completely understand my privilege. But you know, my argument too is that like this is also an important conversation. We we can have many conversations in the realm of feminism and in the realm of body positivity. And each 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 thing is important. Are there things that are much are more dire and more important? Absolutely. But I do know that I am helping women, that I'm inspiring women. I do know that women who are terrified of their bodies and terrified of exposing their bodies, terrified of exposing their acne and their skin and actually being seen, they message me and they're like thank you because I feel completely alone. I, I feel like I'm the ugliest person in the world and my self-esteem is shit. Um, and those, that's important. These are all important discussions to have. Um, and so, you know, it's the same thing. Like, so Alicia Keys stopped doing makeup and she got a lot of shit for it because people were like, well, of course she's not doing it because she's naturally beautiful. Like, of course she can do it. You know what? My thing is like, 
I don't care. We need people not wearing makeup. We need representation. I don't care if she's beautiful. Like, I don't, I don't care. We need people starting this conversation. And slowly these ideas ripple out. And that's where people can use their privilege and do things that other people might not be able to do. And yes, acknowledge your privilege. Absolutely. Like I, I, I do understand where I can go into spaces with hairy legs where other women absolutely cannot. Um, but it's still, still important conversations to have. And we still need to have this and we need more people doing them and we need to inspire more people to do them because at the end of the day, it is all about different types of marginalization and different types of oppression on women and all women are marginalized. It's just different levels. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Um, as far as like making the personal choice of like whether or not to wear makeup or like whether or not to shave your underarms or your legs or all of that, I've gotten to like discussions with people and like other feminists even um, where they're like, oh, well, that's not the only way to be feminist. Like you don't have to not wear makeup and like not shave your legs to be feminist. And while I agree with that and I encourage like body autonomy for women specifically for everyone um, and it's their choice to make and we all have to like you said earlier, I mean, pick our battles even within our own life. Like, where do we have the energy to fight the patriarchy in our right, and how right, we present, right. you know? But I do, th- like what you said earlier, I think it's so important to just make sure that you're asking those questions in yourself and slow down. I'm like, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like, do I enjoy shaving my arm, like my armpits? Like, does that actually feel better? Does it actually feel better in my body? Like, no, mm-hmm. then why am I doing mm-hmm. it? And then mm-hmm. being able to just think critically and non-judgmentally and think like, is this something that I'm worth investing, like worth investing my time and energy into, like shaving my underarms? Or do I feel like I can't go out and be who I am and use my voice in the world unless I'm wearing makeup and covering up my blemishes? Like that might be right. a problem. That might be something worth unpacking. Does that make me any less right. feminist if I put on makeup? Like, no, but I just think right. being aware of that is really important, especially if you're going to try out try to go out into the world and spread these messages and try and fight for these things. It's just, it's good to, to, to always be thinking and always be asking the hard questions and be willing to give the hard answers and just confront that in yourself. Right. Absolutely. I mean, look, like we can talk about how things are personal choice. And I mean, I, I believe like there's studies that show that literally like 90% of women think they're not affected by marketing and and studies will show that a hundred percent of women are affected by marketing. Um, so we think that we are smarter. We think that we are stronger than the advertisements, but advertisement has literally like Charles Darwin's brother was like the founder of modern marketing. Like marketing has literally been using the way our brains work against us. Um, and so for us to say, we're not affected by it. Like I say this over and over and over again, the only way that you are not affected by marketing is that if you literally sequester yourself into the woods, if you literally are like living in a cabin without access to media, without access to like Westernized culture. Um, and so for us to say that yet, no, you know what, this is my 100% personal choice. I argue with that. And I'm not saying doing it in a way to like take away someone's body autonomy. Like Mm -hmm. you do whatever you want, whatever makes you feel good. I'm asking you to question like, does this really make you feel good? Or have you been taught that this makes you feel right? Yeah. And that's what it is. It's like, you know, I, I remember like getting waxes and I had somebody like rip my skin off one time and it's like, 
why is beauty pain? Why is, you know, beauty hurts? And it's like, we've been taught these things. It shouldn't hurt. Why am I, why am I doing this? Why are we putting our bodies through this? Why are women dying under the knife for plastic surgery and in the hopes of being beautiful and accepted by society? Mm -hmm. Like this has been taught and to argue that it hasn't is, is hurting women. And and at the end of the day, look, I am not, I am saying, absolutely, you want to get a plastic surgery, do it. I have whitened my teeth. I get uh, facials. I get skin peels. I mean, I still go to the gym. I exercise. Like, am I affected by these things? 100%. I wear makeup almost every single day. But when I put it on, I know it's because of the way that society has made me feel insecure. I know that it's because of marketing and advertising and, and patriarchy and subliminal messages and that doesn't mean I'm not going to wear makeup. It's all about learning the root causes of things and saying, you know what, I'm still going to make this choice. And it doesn't have to be a feminist choice. And it doesn't have to be a self-empowerment choice. It's it's literally a self-preservation choice. Mm-hmm. And it's a safety choice. And it is, it's what I choose. And I'm fitting into society. And that's okay. It's honestly okay. And I think that that's where the conversation gets cloudy too, is that a lot of, you know, when I say, I'm, I'm going to fight the makeup industry. <clears throat> women who wear makeup take that as I'm going to fight women who wear makeup. Right. And that's not what it is. I am not attacking women who wear makeup. I am not attacking women who shave their legs. I am not attacking women who, who are deep in their eating disorders and literally cannot think about any privilege in any way because they are so wrapped up in their body dysmorphia. I am not shaming you. I am not, I am not fighting you. I'm just saying there's more education. There's more stuff out there. There, there's, there's, we have to look at the bigger picture in the way marketing has been marketing, advertising and capitalism has been used against us to keep us down. Because if women are focused on their thigh gap, they are not focused on their wage gap. And, and that's, and that's literally what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's another way but, for you know, them but, to keep us small. Yeah. I mean, it really is like, keep us, keep us focused on the small things. And yeah, I mean, there, there was a great quote. I forgot who it's by, but it's keep, keep women's focused on their beauty and, and, um, the, the, the fight to be beautiful and keep women in other countries creating those products at, um, at low rates in, in unsafe working conditions. And, and you have this kind of cycle of capitalism that, we are hurting our, our purchase of beauty is hurting women in other in 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 other countries and it's hurting us and but it's making a shit ton of money yep yeah it's like what naomi wolf says in uh the beauty myth the beauty the beauty myth like hands down if anybody is listening to this read the beauty myth yeah i'll put and, it in the show notes yeah but that's that's what i'm talking about is like this myth that we love these things and and it's also, it's not to shame people, but it's like, can we view it as a myth? Like, can, can we, can we, can we kind of break through this, you know, peachy, um, cloud that we're, we're in sometimes and say, you know what, I'm, I'm shaving because society says so. And that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. So one last little thing I wanted to talk about before we head off here is I'm curious about your makeup removal parties, like what those are like or what started that. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what started it. I think I was, I think I was just sharing my acne and, you know, some of my insecurities on Instagram. And then I was like, 
I just had this like really great idea. I was like, let me get some women in a room and let's take our makeup off together because this is really scary for a lot of people. And I've done, this is my third one that I have coming up. And, and basically it's, it's a, you know, kind of a really private event. It's a small group. And we, I, I talk, I do kind of a lecture on marketing and advertising. And we look at kind of the history of advert, makeup advertising and beauty advertising geared towards women. And, and really like when you look at it from kind of the beginning from a hundred years ago up until now, it helps you get a better perspective on just how controlling it is of women and how the language has changed and how it seems to have gotten softer and more about empowerment. But, but when you look back at the root of it, you're like, okay, I can see it. It helps you see it more clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, we kind of take our makeup off together and we, we talk about the insecurities and the issues that come up and, wow, it, it is it is one of the most powerful things I've ever done, I've ever been a part of. Every time women leave, like, best friends, like, we are all, we have, we have all just gotten so close in a matter of a couple hours. Um, and it's really empowering. And, and it, it's interesting, you know, some women, God, the last one I had a woman say, I, I grew up fat, and so my mom said that because I'm fat, I have to wear makeup because I have to be beautiful in some way. And it's like, holy shit like there's a lot to unpack and what i like about it too is that I, I created space at the end of these events for women to put their makeup back on because i will say this over and over and over again we live in a society that hates women so at the end of the day if you're wearing makeup if you're going to shave your legs if you're going back out into the world after being at this you know feminist makeup removal party and you're putting your makeup back on there is no shame in that mm -hmm. it's all about just understanding why and and that's all i want to do is i just want to talk to women about why and however they they take that information is 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 fine it's your life it's your body do what you will okay well um before we head off is where can people find you and what are you working on now? Yeah, so I am, I'm mostly on social media. Um, I would say Instagram is kind of my number one outlet that I speak from. So all of my handles are at do the hot pants. So D-O-T-H-E-H-O-T-P-A-N-T-S. It's kind of a mouthful. And a lot of people thought my name was like Dottie Pants <laughs> and um, like some, like do the hoe. Like I have gotten some very interesting um, messages from people, but everything is do the hot pants. Um, I'm starting a YouTube channel. I'm, I'm a podcast is in the works. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's, um, it's do the hot pants.com is the website. And that's where I feature. I've also done something called my body story. So every week I feature a different woman and she literally talks about, about, you know, if her body could tell a story, what would it say? And the stories are incredible and, and I have a, a really long backlog of them. So if anybody has some time and they want to do some reading, um, on other women's body experiences, go to my website. It's do the hot pants, um, backslash my body story. And that'll bring you to everything. Um, but yeah, but it, it's, I feel like I'm, I'm all over the place. And then also my intersectional women's collective is the ripple and, and that's mostly on Instagram. So it's instagram.com slash the dot ripple R I P P L E. Um, yeah, so sorry. I feel like that was, that was also a mouthful. Oh yeah, no problem. And I, I can link to everything in the show notes so everyone can just click and take them right to it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I had such a nice time talking with you. I, um, I feel like I was really fired up. So oh, same. Uh, I always get super fired up and I'm like, okay, <laughs> sit down.
Yeah, well, you know what? Also, like, literally this morning, I had some DMs from trolls. Um, I, it, it's it's funny. I get I get messages from trolls that either are, you know, like, meninists, where they're literally fighting me, saying, you know, women have all the rights, or you're like, screw you, like, feminist, feminism is cancer. And then oh, I, I do get, you know, other women being like, how dare you? Like, you, this, these issues aren't important. You know, you, you need to be talking about, like, like, bigger issues, like, screw your body hair. And it's like, I get everything, everything is valid. And what I've learned over the years is, whatever you've done, and whenever you upset someone, you have, you've triggered something inside of them. And, no matter what that anger is valid and that anger needs to be listened to. And um, so I think I was a little bit fired up this morning of being like, no, I need to defend myself. I need to talk about why I think these issues are important. And yeah, and also talk about my privilege and be like, I understand that these issues are not for everyone. And, um, and I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best with the body I was given. And I think that's, that's all we can hope for with, for everyone that is, is doing activism and fighting. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I love this conversation. So thanks for taking the time out to talk to us. Um, and really quick, this is totally like another whole entire podcast episode, but it's funny that you mentioned the red pill thing because I just watched a documentary like a month or two ago called the red pill. And it's about, oh. it's about men's rights though. So, <laughs> oh, and it's, is it, it like for, for men's rights, kind of like a meninist sort of thing. Um, it is filmed by this, um, feminist, uh, documentary maker, filmmaker, whatever. Um, but uh-huh. she does it very objectively. I mean, in my opinion, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, she just kind of ignored the feminist side. She does talk to other mm-hmm. feminists and they give their opinions and she puts that in the film as well. <laughs> But she, like, yeah. released this whole, like, press statement afterwards about how she's, like, not identifying as a feminist anymore and feminism isn't fighting for enough equal opportunities that include yeah. men, too, and all of this. So just it, it's just an interesting I, yeah. thing to watch. But, I, you know. I, mean, I, I, I agree. I agree with that in a way where, you know, I think that a lot of pushback from men is because – you know, women, we, we, we have this thing where like men are trash, men are, men are this. And then we say, well, not all men, but it's like, it really is alienating. And especially for, even for, for people who are they, them for non-binary folks. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of, and trans women, there, there's a lot in trans men. There's a lot of people being left out of the broader discussion and, and I get it. And, and like I said, like even dealing with trolls, like there's pain if you dig deep enough, there is pain there and there is trauma there and something has been triggered from somebody. And does it, does it mean that it's, it's rooted in great things or in reality? No, not always, but that person still deserves to be, I don't know, heard. I wonder about giving a platform. I, I, I might disagree about, you know, the, like the actual like film and giving people a platform in that way. But but are, are, are men, are men also hurting? Yes, because we, they're still living in a world with toxic masculinity where they, they can't even cry. Yeah, and I agree. that's why we have such high suicide rates of, you know, white middle-class men when they hit their like fifties or whatever, because they're told that they have to be the breadwinner. And when they get close to retirement age, it's like, well, what are we supposed to, what are they supposed to do with their lives? Mm-hmm. Society has literally said that they, this is what they do. This is the path to success. Um, I think there's a lot of conversations that need to be had that aren't being had. Uh, but then, you know, we come back to the argument that it's like, look, <laughs> women are way more marginalized. At the end of the day, we're fighting. We, I got to fight for women because I can't, I can't include everybody. There's no way every one person is going to be including every argument. So we, we pick, we pick the battles that, that resonate the most with us, that we feel we can affect the most change. And then we also give, give space for the other arguments. 
And, um, sorry, I did, do we just go into a second podcast? So <laughs> oh my gosh, a little bit. Um, but yeah, I know I totally agree. And also like a lot of the things that, um, this movie, like the, the issues they brought up, they talk specifically about like the high suicide rates and middle-aged men, like you said, um, also like, um, in the family court system, how like it, it always favors in the way of the woman just because she's the mother mm-hmm. and all of that, which is so right. very true. And I have experienced that personally. Um, but the, um, crap, what was I going to say? Oh, a lot of those issues that men experience, I mean, those are formed in patriarchy. Like those things oh, affect those men, like, because of that. So it's kind of like, right. yeah, you're right. That is a valid experience, but you know, we have to focus on, like you said, the more marginalized groups and you know what, right. I, when everyone wins, guess what? Everyone wins. Like you'll get there. Mm-hmm. You'll get it. Right. Right. And you know, and there's, I, I have, you know, kind of two, two quick thoughts about this. One is like, look, I, I, I get it that we're, you know, the whole idea of like a seat at the table. Well, the table is only the table of, you know, who, who's in charge is, is, is yay big. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's only so many more seats you can pull up to where you start saying, you know what, you got to step away from the table and someone else is going to have to sit here. And I get it. And I understand why men are like terrified of women having more power. I understand why white people are saying they're terrified of people of color having more power because it's like, there's only so much power. Otherwise you, you literally have to give up your seats and, and it's, look, and that's, that's a whole nother discussion, but, and that's why, you know, the whole thing about being an ally too is listening. Is right. being quiet is that it's not all centered about you. It's uplifting other people. It's using your privilege to give space to others. And it, it's not about, you know, me holding the microphone all the time. It's, it's me holding the microphone for someone else to speak from mm-hmm. because I have the privilege to already have that microphone in my hand. So, um, yeah, it, it's, there's, uh, there's a lot of discussion there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we literally live in, in this, toxic world. And, and that's, Oh, and what I was going to say too, really quick is that's why it's, it's been getting difficult for me to talk about body positivity and eating disorders. Cause a lot of men are like, well, men have it equally as bad. Look at the covers of magazines. We have to have six packs. We have to make a certain amount of dollars. We have to have a huge penis. We have to have all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's valid. I mean, your experience is valid and, and your arguments are valid because diet culture is, they're seeing how they can market to men. They're seeing how they can now profit off of all bodies and not just women's bodies. Mm-hmm. So, so it is, I mean, it's, it's bleeding into, into all genders and all people. Right. Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> marginalization is not equal. Yeah. And that is what we have to, and that is what a lot of people don't want to hear because when, when you're really stuck in your own struggle, you don't want to hear about someone else's. And that's where we have to come in with empathy, with listening. And then to say, look, I hear you. Now you've got to hear this. Yeah. And also it feels, I, I feel like people's first reaction to that is like by hearing about other experiences, it's mm-hmm. as if to say that theirs is invalid and that, that that's not true. And that's not what we're trying to say. It's just like all these other things exist too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I won't take up any more of your time. Thank you so much oh, for no. talking today. I had, I, had, I just want to say, I had such a nice time talking with you. You also asked really great questions. It oh, wasn't, yeah. <laughs> sometimes I'll do a podcast and they're like, they're so topical. It's so like, it, it's so about eating disorder recovery and, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm one person and I found, I found things that work for me. And it, I, I'm, I'm sometimes scared to be giving too much eating disorder advice because 
it's not going to work for other people. And it's also that thing where like some people are so desperate that they will try anything. And I don't ever want to sell people on something in the hopes that it's going to change their lives because I can't promise anything. And, Mm -hmm. and, and I've been there, I've been there where I'm struggling so much that I'm like, please just feed me information on how to fix myself. Yeah. (laughs) And no, and I just, I appreciate that. I appreciate the discussion a lot. Oh yeah. I loved it. And whenever you get your podcast set up, if you need any help or anything, (gasps) let me know. Oh my gosh. Yes, girl. Yes. Oh, you all, I'm like, I'm going to text you right after we're done. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for everything today. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. We'll speak soon. Yeah. Take care. Okay. So that's our show. Thanks to our guest and thank you for listening. And you'll hear from me in a couple weeks until then keep being you just the way you are. Bye-bye.